Low. David Bowie's 11th studio album has a bit of an odd title in hindsight. Featured on several greatest albums of all time lists and noted as a major influence for prominent bands like Joy Division, it's hard to believe that this was a low point in Bowie's life. Quote, I was trying very hard to drag myself out of an awful period of my life. I was locked in a room in Berlin telling myself I was going to straighten up and not do drugs anymore. I was never going to drink again. Only some of it proved to be the case. It was the first time I knew I was killing myself, and it was time to do something about my physical condition, said Bowie in an interview in 2003. In 1976, Bowie moved to France with fellow musician Iggy Pop. The two put together Pop's debut studio album, The Idiot, and afterwards, Bowie began his efforts on what would become 1977's Low, the first of three albums making up Bowie's famous Berlin Trilogy. The album was meant to be released in 1976 along with The Idiot, but RCA, Bowie's record label, had no faith in the LP, believing it would not be a commercial success. Both RCA and Bowie did next to nothing to promote the album, with just one single coming out before its release. Despite the lack of promotion, the single hit number three on the UK singles chart and number 69 on the Billboard Hot 100, while the album hit number two on the UK albums chart and number 11 on the Billboard albums chart. How did an unpromoted single and album become so popular? Signs point to the beloved BBC Network, who used the single track as the score for several trailers on their network. What started as a simple G major chord progression became one of Bowie's most beloved songs and his last commercial hit for six years until 1983. That's right, we're talking Sound and Vision by David Bowie on Bowie Me. That's right, it's Bowie Me, the only podcast that compares famous songs to their many cover versions to find out which one is the color of my room. I'm your host, as always, The Snake, joined by my pale, blind co-host... Alex Mildenberger. Alex Mildenberger. What's going on? Oh, you know... Oh, wait, I was going to say it's Christmas time, but it's not Christmas time. It's January. It's ja- We're deep we're in deep January. January. It's been 2023 for a long time. It's 2023. Things are happening. I'm already um, remembering to write the three instead of the two. Like, oh. I'm on it, bro. All that stuff. And... Um, not much is going on, honestly. Yeah, it's yeah. I'm in. I mean, uh, we've already pulled the curtain down a bit. I'm in the 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 strange twilight betwixt Christmas and New Year's. Mm. You know, um, I'm in that kind of a mood. Yeah, the, the Gooch Week. We're in the middle of the Gooch Week, <laughs> the Gooch as they week. call it. We're at the we're at the other end of Gooch Week, as it is New Year's Eve, as we're recording this. Yes, New Year's Eve Day. Rather, It'd be fucked up if we did this. Like towards the countdown to midnight. Yeah, timed it exactly so it ended right at midnight. Yeah, that would be that would be some be nonsense. We're not doing yes, that. It'd be impressive. Yeah, it's not what we're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's that time uh, time of year where people don't know what day it is, what time it is. That's just a regular any time of year for me. Always lost. <laughs> no, nah, I'm kidding, Alex. But you know what is a regular week for me is listening to the album Low by David Bowie. Oh yeah, I fucking love this album. Yeah, you've, uh, as far as I know, you've just you were always into this one. It's very strange because I like for David Bowie more so than any other musician. I really kind of created like a false like sense of new releases by just picking up studio albums whenever I could find them on CD and then mm-hmm. listening to them. 
Mm-hmm. So this one didn't come into my life until 2013. And embarrassingly, the first time I heard Sound and Vision was in a Samsung commercial, and it was like a remix. Do you know what it was a commercial for? I don't I like remember a, this commercial. A fucking phone or something. Some kind of phone. It's probably a <laughs> Galaxy S3. Yeah. Because like, that was coming out around the S3 or S4. I remember that being a big deal when they're like, oh, is it going to beat the iPhone? I'm getting off topic. Yeah, they're but like, I, no, that, you're, that you're right. That seemed like a big topic. deal at the time, and I think I'm about the right time frame. Yeah, no, you're you're probably right. I just remember there was a lot of color in it. They were like throwing paint or some shit. Yeah, that's and it was like appropriate. But yeah, I don't. That's the first time I was like, wow, this is a very cool David Bowie song, and that I think is what turned me on to being like, I need to find Low, and then I got it, and yeah, never stopped listening to that thing. Mm-hmm. It's. I got it on vinyl this this last year in 2022. Nice, oh, I thought nice you already had it. Orange? No, not until this year. Oh, I don't know why. Yes, because I talk about it so fucking much. Yeah. Um, Killer David Bowie album. Worth noting that apparently the album cover. Again, I talked about the name of the album mm-hmm. in the intro here. It's also just a dumb pun because it's low, <laughs> and then there's a picture of David Bowie in profile. In profile. Yeah. Low profile. Yeah. How about that? Which I guess is kind of accurate to this. Yeah, because he's he basically flees the United States to to taper off of drugs, or at least to start trying to. Yeah, and, I know he you know. like. There's talk of like he was in L.A. for a while, and then mm-hmm. like that just was like a really weird place to be. Just need to get away from that. Yeah, environment. Yeah, and there's also the quote where he's like, because he in 1975 he records station to station. He's like, I know that uh, I was in Los Angeles at the time because that's where they say it was recorded. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, lots of cocaine. Lots of cocaine. So yeah, he's keeping a low profile in that sense. There's also the sense that, like I said, he wasn't promoting this album. He was on tour as Iggy Pop's keyboardist. Yeah, at the time, and sometimes just like. Bit didn't really even show himself, just kind of like sat down behind the keyboard and like was David Bowie on stage, yeah, but unreal. Didn't really be David Bowie, but yeah, it's like it's like a magic trick that never gets revealed, yeah, there's no point. It's just like he's there, and then you never find out that it's David Bowie. That would be so but, weird. So it's a very so weird, strange just, thing. I mean, I guess at the time he wasn't like a super superstar, but like he was still a pop star, yeah, it's like. He was still Ziggy Stardust, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, he'd retired to that, but that's, can you imagine, like, that'd be like going to, not community theater, but like some other, like, off-Broadway thing and seeing, like, a big retired, like, Broadway star, and you're like, they're just doing a bit part. Yeah. Just because they're bored or whatever. Yeah. Trying to get off drugs. Trying to get off drugs. Very strange. The two of them trying to get off drugs. Iggy mm-hmm. Pop and David Bowie. And did they do it? Eventually. Yeah. Comes and goes. Comes this and is, goes. I mean, oh, and they, and they uh, made some pretty good music, too. Some good, and I've also heard that the reason Bowie was trying to push this album along is because he puts together The Idiot with uh, Iggy Pop. And since he's doing a lot of like the production work on that, a lot of the concepts from The Idiot are like also present in low from like a musical standpoint or production standpoint. And so he wanted to make sure that people didn't think he was influenced by Iggy pop. Oh, when it was like a co-joint, when it's like the same thing. (laughs) 
Yeah, I yeah, okay, I guess. Mm-hmm. I guess now that we're many years on, it wouldn't be a big deal, but maybe at the time. At the if time. They were both yeah. coming out around the same time, sharing fans and stuff. But it's a it is it is a bit of a strange album too. Like I probably heard it first after you lent me the CD. That was right. probably how this worked. And um it didn't really click with me at first. Mm. You know, there were still some I, I more or less always liked this song, but but this a lot of the stuff on this album is unusual and even this song is unusual, even though it's probably the poppiest thing. Mm-hmm. Because it kind of it, like the structure's weird and it doesn't necessarily develop in the way you might expect a pop song to. Yeah. Um, so it did kind of take me a while, but I did always really like this song and I do remember like walking at, at the University of Calgary, walking around the grounds, listening to this a lot. Fuck yeah. You're right. It's a very, like, it's a strange album. It's also because he was slated to do some of the soundtrack work for The Man Who Fell to Earth, the movie you starred in. Mm-hmm. And then that, he, I hear both ends of it where he found out that he wasn't the sole composer for it. So he kept his work away. And I also hear that the director looked at it and is like, no, I want something different from this. So I've heard it was both rejected by him and by the fucking guy. Right. But then he sends this album He's to that guy, he's to that director. He says, like, this is what I wanted to do with the soundtrack for The Man Who Fell to Earth. So, yeah, you get these the weird B half, which is all instrumental with some vocalizations. Yeah, which aren't usually or ever real words. Yeah. Like it's just kind of sounds. And even when they are like like real words, they're not structured to use the meaning of those words, or they're paired with another word that together they have no meaning. Like it's it's very bizarre. And then that bizarreness is also seen, like you said, in Sound and Vision, which is somehow incredibly poppy and also not poppy at all. Like it's like you yeah. said, there's some structured things that really play against your pop expectations, but the tone on instruments. And even like some of the singing and things is like, this is a pop song. And so you're really like kind of sent in both directions. It's yeah. Looking at like sections, it seems like, Mm -hmm. oh, this is part of a larger pop song. But then you listen to the whole thing. And I mean, it's been described before as having song fragments on this album as Mm -hmm. opposed to like songs. Yeah. Which uh, probably is accurate because it really does feel like part of a song. But like you can get into it, but you kind of have to accept that it might not be structured how you would you would think it would be you would think yeah Um, and it is like the prototyping of what becomes his major songwriting method moving forward right so they do he calls it his three three phase process where the backing music is established first so this started with like a g major chord progression he just said gave it to the musician musicians and was like go wild with this and then they do like overdubs and then finally at the end he chucks in lyrics and vocals yeah, sometimes not even like writing them until after the other parts exist, which is interesting. And I do remember hearing, particularly in reference to heroes, um, mm-hmm. that like he would make sounds as a melody, and that would right. be the recording. But then there wouldn't be any actual lyrics until later. Then they would put real words in where the, you know, his weird vocalizations were. So some of that yeah. almost seems like, well, in low, they didn't replace them. <laughs> you know? Yeah, they're just like, well, this is it. We don't know what we're going to put there. So we're just going to leave that. I was actually, I think, 
I get I I got you this book, uh, How to Write One Song by Jeff Tweedy, mm-hmm. and he actually talks about something similar for one of he's like, I've actually had it where I write nonsense. He's like, sometimes I just leave it, and then he's like, I'll have people come up to me and and tell me what those words mean, and I'm like, oh, okay, like <laughs> cool. <laughs> I'm glad, but yeah. So it's the nonsense method is also, I suppose, well established. But yeah, leaving it in is a risky move. Yeah, I mean, we're constantly trying to find meaning in lyrics, and sometimes it feels like we're just giving meaning to nonsense. So it's true. I mean, talk about those the back half of this album. I've I've shed some real tears to to nonsense. So like, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, sometimes yeah. you find meaning where there is none. Yeah, or I mean, the music has meaning too. Yeah. So maybe Who's to you're say? just trying to find the meaning you find in the music in the lyrics. Yeah. Explaining it backwards. Although this one does actually seem to have a bit of a narrative to it. Yeah, and I was surprised at how, like, because I was like coming into it, I was like, how the fuck are we gonna figure this out? He wants to be in a blue room. Like, what? The, <laughs> what the fuck are we gonna do with this? But having read the history of it, read where he is, and now read the lyrics, I feel like, like it's pretty clear. Yeah, so let's it, get into it. It does seem to make sense. Yeah. Um, we open, of course. Ah, ah. Do 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 do. So that that's just vocalizations, baby. We'll get into that in the the instrumental half because there is some neat, uh, like back backing vocals featured on this. Um, the first real line we get a minute and a half into the song, give or take, yeah, is uh, don't you wonder sometimes. About sound and vision. Yeah, sometimes I do wonder about sure sound. Sure do, and man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it seems it's so like, like what what is he doing in his career in his artistic endeavors? Like, well, he's doing sound sometimes. He does vision sometimes. You know. Yes. Um, it's it's such a strange, like. Or not strange, but like it just like breaks everything right down, you know. Yeah, can you, like Dave Boy's like, you ever think about like sound and like looking at stuff? He's like, <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah I, guess I guess I do, I do. Like, almost exclusively. <laughs> yeah, um, I thought you were trying to get off drugs, David Bowie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's so just like basic, I guess, stripped down, you might say, um, and mm-hmm. to the point where like the line or just you know the the title. Um, has kind of become like it's the name of like David Bowie collections and it was the name of like one of yeah. his tours and like it's just you can use it to describe like anything. Yeah, and I think part of why it works is one the simplicity, but two I do think there is a double meaning on vision. Okay. Where it's not simply sight but also like like drive or like having a goal. Right. It's having a direction, having vision, you know, having artistic vision. And these are the things he's thinking about right now. Sound, his music, and having, having a, a, vision. a vision of if what his, to do. If his with sounds that music. are sound. Like mm-hmm. Yes, if his sounds are sounds, if his, his visions are his visible. His visions have vision. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, and supposedly that's kind of I mean, I don't know exactly where it came from, but there was definitely like a, a review or you know, description that supported this. The idea that he's really just kind of describing being in a room um and like wanting to be inspired like it's a song about writer's block essentially essentially yeah it's about like being feeling creatively bankrupt yeah. and then it's somehow one of his 
like best works it's a fucking banger it's so strange because I, I don't know even just like hearing talking about like colors mm-hmm. you know um and like it's, it's if something there's something there you know it it seems so so different from this idea of like ah, i can't think of anything to write but like part of it is it's kind of positive i guess i shouldn't get too much into it before we actually read the lyrics but yeah it's uh let's so let's let's knock out this verse blue blue electric blue that's the color of my room where i will live blue 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 what do we make of this alex blue color sadness sure maybe sure electric blue though is quite a a bright color it is i don't know if it's a sad color exactly it does feel like like as part of the story he's like it feels like like forcing a description you know like Mm. if he does have some form of writer's block he's like all right let's let's try to describe this thing poetically you know and he's just adding an adjective which is kind of just like the cheapest way to do that right it could have been anything but as but as soon as you put a color there it's now the audience is doing the work yeah but at the end of the day he's just describing he's still just describing the color of his room and it seems like such a silly line because of that Mm -hmm. because he Um, does literally just say blue is the yeah he's a blue blue electric blue Okay, we've yeah. <laughs> decided what color you want your room to be. And then he even says it later. It's just blue, blue again. So it's like yeah, taking to, up a lot of this. To reaffirm section. that notion. Yeah, it's quite a big chunk. Um, he says this. He says, it was just the idea of getting out of America, that depressing era I was going through. It was wanting to be put in a little cold room with omnipotent blue on the walls and blinds on the window. So this is a place he wants to be. Yes. He did also call it somewhere else the ultimate retreat song. And that seems yeah. to be what it, he's he's reeling away from America, from drugs, and he's trying to something he'll grapple with again on like Ashes to Ashes, which we talked about last year, but he's trying to figure out how to keep David Bowie alive and how to stay creative. Yeah, which is something that I think a lot of artists deal with and most don't do it that successfully necessarily like it's hard to I do mean, yeah it's 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 hit or miss the like, whole way do down keep going especially if you spend your whole life like writing five songs and then they're on your mm-hmm. first albums like well, what do you do next <laughs> you've got a month go um, exactly and the feeling of the song overall definitely i mean the idea of this retreat yeah i i have to agree you know it feels like you are alone like it feels very solitary but also like you're kind of appreciating the the things that are around you like you're noticing details and stuff yeah it's like a it's like some kind of vacation even if it is to a a no nowhere place to basically a jail cell <laughs> a mm-hmm. blue jail cell cuz he goes on to say pale blinds drawn all day nothing to read nothing to say blue blue so he's not, he doesn't want anything coming in. The only input he wants is this very bright shade of blue. Yeah, it's just blue. There's not even really any light, like maybe a little bit coming through the blinds, but like they're mm-hmm. closed. He's not looking outside. He's just stuck in this room. Yeah, he's got no books to read. He has nothing. He's, he's head empty. He's got nothing to save. And he's just like, oh, blue room. Yeah, I'm nothing to write. There. Some genius for some reason seems to think that this is about him watching TV. That's an interesting 
idea just because i mean if your tv's off it glows kind of blue old tvs old tvs yeah but i i don't know maybe that's part of it because he's not watching anything there's just a tv could be yeah it, it again plays into this idea of just complete isolation I mean, that's an electric i would say that's an electric blue yeah arguably in the in the technical sense it's blue from electricity um, of course, what's he doing in this room, then? I will sit right down, waiting for the gift of sound and vision. And I will sing, waiting for the gift of sound and vision. Waiting for the gift of sound and vision. Yeah. I mean, he's sitting in this room, you know? I like the description of everything, I don't know. It's It's very, like, simple. It's very quaint. It's just like being in a blue room with pale blinds. I could be fucking anywhere. Yeah. And I'm going to sit and wait for the gift of basically two very basic senses, but I think with a much heavier meaning for David Bowie. Right, because he's trying to think of like what what sounds do I make and what do I look like to make this rock and roll thing continue mm-hmm. to work. And yeah, not even just like what do I look like, but what am I looking to do? Yeah, but the idea like, of of like waiting for inspiration, I think, is a pretty common one. Mm-hmm. I've definitely been there. I'm like I. What, I, what what next, you know? Yeah. What's going to show me? I don't know. But he's not completely passive because <laughs> he will sing as well, waiting for the gift of sound. True, and, and that's kind of where the... I mentioned before that it seems a little positive. Like, he's not, like, sad. Or he doesn't... I mean, he's blue. Like, he's down, right? But that's... Mm-hmm. Or potentially. But that's really the only thing he ever says about that. You know? But he's still singing. He's still, like, hopeful. He's still waiting for inspiration. <clears throat> it's uh it's an acknowledgement of a bad state he's in with like a maybe a forced positive outlook yeah maybe he's like i'm gonna sit right down i'm gonna sing and i am going to wait for this gift because it, it, it will come to me but even in the next two lines he says drifting into my solitude over my head which just taking over my head like isolated it's like he's he knows he's in out of his depth he doesn't actually know how to conjure the gift of sound and vision yeah like he's missing it Mm -hmm. he doesn't understand it or he's not he's not getting it um yeah there's another i mean that's kind of i guess the negative part of it is like would i even know if i got it like am i good enough right yeah am i smart enough to recognize sound and vision if it if it were to appear before me and these are questions that I think, like, I might ask myself, you know? Oh, yeah. In some form. It's the only question I ask myself yeah. is, do I know a fucking thing? Do I fucking know anything? <laughs> do I know? Do I even know that I know nothing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then that's, like, that's it. After that, it's, don't you wonder sometimes about sound and vision? Yeah, it's not much, you know? Um, it does feel very fragmentary because mm-hmm. it really just kind of describes this room. And like, I think there's a fair amount there, um, but there's not much to it. Yeah. It's like, it's almost a meditation. He like, he brings up the concept. He's like, I am going to ponder in this song, the concept of sound and vision. Here is how I go about pondering it with the color blue and drawing the blinds without reading, without saying anything with maybe just singing and sitting. Does that create sound and vision? 
This is, this is, this is, these are David Bowie's thoughts on the creative process at this point. It's very cool. I like this song. But you know what really supports this, this, these weird lyrics, these fragmented lyrics? Oh. Is this, this utterly hypnotic music. Hypnotic music. Yeah. The music's really interesting. Um, yes. For a couple of reasons. I mean, first of all, uh, this one was recorded in France. You mentioned he went to France at this mm-hmm. Chateau d'Aroville, um, which we've talked about before. I forget what song, but for, but it was a pretty like popular studio around the yeah. time. Um, I know that uh, I remember a story from Jethro Tull recording there. What song did we talk about? Was it Elton John? It sounds like an Elton John thing. Was it Rocket Man? Not even Rocket Man. Anyway, um, I was reading some stories about them recording there, and it was they were talking about how like they were not getting any help from the staff, and like they all got food poisoning <laughs> uh, when uh, at some point because the kitchen staff wasn't very good. Apparently, there's a kitchen also. Um, okay. I guess if you have oh, a chateau, it's a big like chateau. Yeah, it's yeah. huge. But they recorded like most of this album there. I think the mm-hmm. last like. I don't know if they they probably did some mixing after they went. Yeah, to Germany. Hansa Studios in West Berlin is where yeah. they did mixing and where he would have added in lyrics and vocals. Yeah, and I think also like the last two songs or something were done there, something mm-hmm. like that. Um, probably, yeah. But yeah, interesting. Um, this is also um, famously collaboration with Tony Visconti. Yes, and also Brian Eno. Brian Eno, yeah. Um, and some of the stuff, like reading some of the like trivia about this is really interesting because they're talking about how the drums were fed through this Eventide H910 harmonizer. Harmonizer, yeah. Unit, which is like, according to, you know, probably Wikipedia, whatever my research, wherever I copied this from, it says it was the first commercial pitch shifting device that could mm. alter pitch without changing speed. And that's something we talked about before. I didn't know it took until 77 to get something that I could actually do that. But we've said in the past, like, I don't know if they could have made that deeper without slowing it down. And the answer is not before this, apparently. Not before this, Not yeah. commercially. Um, and, like, they, that's what they fed the drums through, this harmonizer. And I'm like... I'm thinking about this, right? I'm listening to the drums. And it's like, this is the first place drums sounded like that? Because if so, like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah, the drums on this track alone are, like, responsible for a lot of like, what happens. That's got to be so important, Afterwards, right? <laughs> yeah. If no one else was doing this, and then afterwards we're like, oh, we can do that now? It's like, well, that's influential. Yeah. If it's that... like, because it's basically like drums with, like, crazy decay. You just hear this, like, like huge drums it's like that's like the entire 80s yeah it's they call it a sizzle symbol and it's uh it's yeah it's very distinct on the track and that processing is so clear it's very cool um so you get that you get these drums you get the the beautiful guitars with their nice like high and bright tone yeah that's um carlos alomar I believe mm-hmm. on that what you might call the main riff. Yeah, I believe they have Dam, the Dam trio on this. Oh. Uh Alamar, and then you have George Murray on bass and uh Dennis Davis on drums. Dennis Davis. There they were like go. a big mid seventies trio for Bowie. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. So yeah, you got these guys going on. You have the production work of Bowie, Visconti, and like Brian Eno. 
who might or might not. I don't remember if Brian Eno was involved in this song or not. He is. Uh, Brian yeah, Eno does piano is. and backing vocals. Ah. Eno also recruited then Mary Visconti, now Mary Hopkin, to uh, perform backing vocals as well. Yeah, so she does the doo-doo. The doo-doo doos. She says the following of those, because those will come up pretty quick on our discussion yeah. here. She says, one evening, Brian called me into the studio to sing a quick quick backing vocal with him on Sound and Vision. We sang his cute little doo-doo riff in unison. It was meant to be a distant echo, but when David heard it, he pushed up the fader until it became a prominent vocal, much to my embarrassment, as I thought it was very twee. I love the song, and I'm a great admirer of David's work. Yeah, honestly, yeah, it is very twee. Like, like, that's fine, though. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking great. Um, yeah, what it, it's like, it is, but it's also, I don't know, I guess I just like the song. But there's something about it that makes it feel like a bit of a throwback because of that. Because it yeah. sounds kind of like old, like, it doesn't sound like the Supremes, but kind of like that era. Um, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's people, uh, critics also referred to it. They're like, this pulls on a lot of the same stuff he was doing in Young Americans because it has a bit of that like soul, soul vibe to yeah. it. And yeah, it is tweet, but also plays with the idea of like sound and vision, like the simplicity of the song. The first vocals we get aren't even saying words. True. It's just do do do. And it, they feel like they should come after words, right? Like that's mm-hmm. one of the other weird things about the song is it feels like there's parts missing which is kind of true um because there yeah. are more lyrics that were cut out when they were mixing that's right and that was an eno decision from my understanding is he wanted to throw listeners off kilter by not giving you bowie vocals until a minute and a half in yeah and i think it works um yeah so that's cool that's cool stuff um uh, what bass on this grooving going on boom, yeah boom, grooving boom, the bass boom, 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 yeah. boom, really has boom, that boom, groove boom. very simple um i don't i feel like there should be a name for this pattern there's a name for all kinds of patterns but the basic pattern they play like those three notes and then kind of like hold the last one or it's a rest um and then they do like a little turnaround or something at the end sometimes it's just the same note or it's a turnaround um but it's like just the last beat you know that kind of stuff so it like reminds me of the idea of a walking bass line but instead of playing different notes throughout the measure you're just kind of playing the same note yeah for sure it's yeah you don't walk around you're kind of just doing different variations on the same loop and it really is that it's it's the loop um, it is because as, as the three minutes of this song goes on you're thinking something's gonna change up and it's like nah yeah, not we'll really. add in some more synth and things so yeah we there's get two a very sections nice... but that's pretty much mm-hmm. it um two and a half two and a half sure. um, we get the big synth is the next kind of big move we get this descending yeah i thought there was more synth in this one but really it's that descending yeah. like string synth that kind of Builds the chord as it goes down and holds the higher ones. That's pretty much the synth in this song. That is the extent of it. Because I, and the one part I forget about is the, uh, after, once we're getting into the actual verse, we get that saxophone. Yes. Which doesn't come in for very long. There is a saxophone. No, it's, it's in and then it's out. Um, and then later on it even gets replaced by vocals. That's right. Uh, but there, you got to throw some saxophone in there. Very tasteful. 
very low saxophone playing the drifting into my solid or what will be the drifting uh-huh. into my solitude that's part. right um and even that introductory synth is the um blue blue electric blue like that's the the verse uh melody yeah the, yeah basically the same thing there so you get a lot of like foreshadowing of vocals it's in kind the of because they basically do it twice and the second time mm-hmm. there's words yeah um but there's like but there are still several loops um I, there's there's two guitars there as well so i mentioned the yep. lead guitar already it's kind of sliding around it's playing sixths um just like an interval and kind of sliding there and around right. um and then there's also a rhythm guitar there um it's harder to hear though but mm-hmm. I, I wasn't really listening to it before this time listening for it before like this week but you know, it's there. It's it's kind of strange. It doesn't really ring out much. It's got a similar pattern to the bass, which makes sense. Right. It's the rhythm. Uh, we're just kind of like strumming along. Um, and then, yeah, yeah there's I like several... That rhythm. Sorry. Uh, sorry, I forget that rhythm guitar. I also lose the piano a lot if I'm not listening to yeah, it. Yeah, I feel like you can't hear the piano most of the time, but there is some... Like, it, it kind of just like hits chords. So, like, while mm-hmm. the... the um, lead guitar what i would call the lead guitar but it's still mo- more of a harmony part mm-hmm. and then it's like oh, that's the chord dun, dun. um it plays that dun, you know uh the first and the first beat of each of each um bar um that's kind of what the piano is doing at least for now yeah but yeah, um, not a whole lot yeah, else going on. But, but they, I mean, as much as it doesn't develop much, there's a bit of that because there's still something because it's got like its sort of main loop. Uh, the first time it loops through, it establishes it. Then once you get to the second one, it brings a piano in. Um, I didn't hear it before; might have been there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like, then like the bass kind of starts to deviate. But that's where you get those other like little patterns and flourishes and stuff between like at the ends of bars. Um, yeah, and then they sort of bring that synth in in the third loop, um, and but that's also where you get the the like two note Bowie sigh, <sighs> uh, yeah, which happens a couple times. Then and then that's when they go into the other section where you get the do 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 which actually starts on the guitar, and then Mary comes in for the second one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's not until after that, because there's that, and then there's the drifting into my solitude without lyrics, and then you do another couple of loops, and that's where you actually get lyrics. Yeah. So minute and a half in. Yeah. On, so halfway through the song. Mm-hmm. It's a three-minute song. So, and then it kind of re- just goes through all that stuff again, uh, but mm-hmm. now he's singing. Yeah, with these, like, call-and-response-style Bowie vocals, where it's yeah. just him. Which but he, it feels like two distinct parts. It does, because he sings in two registers. Yeah. Um, which definitely something he's done before. Sometimes, often he'll harmonize, you know, do his own harmonies. Mm-hmm. And then it's clearly David Bowie singing in two different registers. Uh, and, and then there's also this, where, like, I mean, they're still kind of harmonizing at times, but. Um, yeah, like that response, alternate. like, track is definitely two vocal tracks. Yeah. And listening to it, I mean, it, I find it always easier to focus on the high notes. Mm. Um, I don't know if that's universal. Um, but I think that's typically the low. On. The low part seems to be more of the lead because it's there more. 
That's true, yeah. Um, so sing along with that one. It's way easier to sing along with. <laughs> hmm Drifting into my solitude. And then he gets like some processing on the vocals at times too. That's the color of my room. Sounds very like crunchy around the it's edges a little, of it. Yeah, like overdriven or something. Mm-hmm. Or like, you know, it's peaking something. So cool sound. Cool sounds. And that's important. And but like that's yes. that's that's kind of it. Cause it's a lot of little repetition and and uh then it kind of fades out. Fades out, right? Yeah. It doesn't feel like a song that has ended. Yeah. Um, I kind of want to bring up, there's a quote here from, uh, from Alex Capranos, who says of the song, Alex Capranos, the front man for Franz Ferdinand. Why he's talking about the song, we'll never know. Um, (laughs) You feel like this song is playing for eternity in some other universe. It's like you caught a snippet of something that will always be playing. Yeah, that's a, I like that because I definitely feel like I could loop it forever. Like mm-hmm. I mentioned, I've been playing it on the piano and uh, it has that feeling like there's the loop point and you could just keep going and again and again and again. And again, yeah, it has like that feel. It's that feeling of a song that's played on the radio, but it's like too far away for you to get the fullness of it. Yeah, but and then, then it, that it, is it comes the towards you it. for a bit and then it moves on. It moves on, <laughs> yeah. It's. Um, I didn't it's mention something else, dude. I didn't yeah. mention the drum fill, but there's like a drum fill that plays between loops, mm-hmm. um, and that's kind of how you can really tell when when it's looping, um, and that plays right at the end, and there's just loops again. So it just really feels like you're going into another section. Yeah. No, it's uh, it's quite a like a hypnotic song. It's unbelievable. It's very cool, um, and it inspires a lot of interesting covers. I think. I think a lot of people get to do their own twist on things with it yeah a lot of ways you can approach it a lot of ways you can approach it and there's a lot of ways to fuck it up but i feel like a lot of the (laughs) ones we talked about today did a good job or we're about to talk to we're about to talk about so let's talk about book of love alex in 1993 yeah let's talk about book of love don't you understand Um, is the Book of Love it's referring to anything specifically? For sure. It's, um, I'm not sure what, but in this case, it refers to the band from Philadelphia. Oh, oh this synth- is a band? This uh, is a band, yes. <laughs> it's a movie that came out this year, apparently. I mean, last year. Last year. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in 1990. And in 1990, they I'm might like, be named after that. Like, did you write the book? Actually, they can't be named after that. They opened for Depeche Mode in 1985 and 1986. Yeah. Anyway, um, they're a synth pop band. Yeah. Yes. Like you said, Philly. And uh, they do, apparently they were like, these guys that were just like kind of big in clubs and like apparently they did a lot of music that was popular in clubs. I believe that. Well, they, yeah, open for Depeche Mode. They're in electronic and synth pop, like, checks out. Yeah. Um, and this definitely feels poppier. I would say, like, this is 93. It definitely feels like we went through the 80s and we kind of get synths now. Like, a lot more than yeah. 77 or 76, whenever this would have been recorded. Um, 
and it's 15 years later and like we have more tools to pull from but i also think that makes this one sound a little bit more like generic in a way because i'm like yeah i recognize these sounds like this is the sounds themselves are not are not different from other things yeah, they're uh, they're refined sounds of 1993, like synth. It's yeah, these not bad know sounds. Their work. But I'm like, oh, I not rec- bad. Kind of recognize that. I know where that came from. Not and actually it's, specifically, but you know. Yeah, and this this sort of like moodier, like like synth pop at the time. We got a bit of like, there's this processed church bell they use in the beginning, and it comes up later. This dong dong. And like yeah, this sort of low bell. synth, this so there's a bit of like bit of edge to it yeah and it's all on synth yeah of course so i was looking up the band members and it was like credits this guy keyboards and this guy keyboards and keyboards. <laughs> this one keyboards and yeah so it's all it's all synthesizers programming piano. yeah i like the the synth they have that kind of does this staccato so it does the ah sigh from the original but like chopped up on a synth. They definitely have some of that, like, echoey stuff, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> over my head, 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 head. Um, For example, where it just sounds like they're doing their own repeats. Yeah, oh yeah. Own echoes, which they might be, I don't know. Yeah, you get the very, like, uh, new wave, like, post-punk detached vocals. It's uh, female vocals on this track. She comes in with the... Yeah, and I get to the lyrics a lot earlier, too. A lot of these yes. versions will do that. Um, but this one is like, yeah, we'll do the verse. Like, because the original instrumental and then lyrical kind of just do it, always do the lyrics, just repeat it. Why not? My head, 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 head. <laughs> you get the big echoes on certain lines. The sound and vision line gets replayed too. Sound and vision, sound and vision. That's, yeah. Some of those are funny. I don't know why. I wasn't expecting the echo. Yeah, and it's, it's a funny thing to emphasize. Because sometimes with the covers, it's like, do you know what the song's about? It's like, it plays fine in this one because nobody really digs too deep, but. It's always like, mm, head, we need to repeat this line. <laughs> yes, that's the important part. Head. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I, overall, I, it's kind of weird. Like, not weird, I guess. They they change the feel to me because the original has like this real like deep groove, mm-hmm. which this one doesn't really have. It's still very danceable, though, because they, re- they make club music, but it's in a different way. I wouldn't yeah, call it because well, it's it's stuck together by that very like is this very like not super groovy sounding rhythm, but that's what holds this track together. But you can still move to it, and I guess that's important. Yeah, I said that very dismissively. That's important. That's important. There is like like when we get to that head moment, we also shift up to like a a sort of crunchier, like almost industrial synth, like boom, boom. Yeah. There's a lot of those like textury things in there too. I guess it's 93. So yeah. So like the textures on this are much like colder than the original, which has a warmth to it. Like even as Bowie questions, whether music can be made. (laughs) Um, 
Yeah, I don't know a whole lot else to say about this one. It's uh, it's definitely um, it gets almost Christmassy with the synth at the end. At the end, is it because of, yeah, like, like three twenty-five? Yeah, it does. Like bell sounds and yeah, and, like string pads. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds kind of Christmassy. So Merry Christmas again. Merry Christmas again. Sound and vision. Now a Christmas song. If you pick the right band. The question you got to ask yourself, though, Alex, this is what it sounds like when a synth pop group does it. What about if, like, basically Neutral Milk Hotel did it? So we're talking about Quasi in 1996. Yeah, in 96, um, Quasi. Don't you wonder sometimes? So I looked at the band. They're an indie band. They're from Portland, which makes sense based on my next fact. Uh, Sam Coombs and Janet Weiss, um, who used to be married, but now are just in a band together. Um, Janet Weiss, which might be like Vice or something like that, um, used to be a member of Slater Kenny, which is uh, another band out of Portland, and that Carrie Brownstein is in that band. She's in Portlandia. Mm, so yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my little little trivia bit. It's a good piece of trivia. I love that. Um, yeah. So these guys. <laughs> I'm glad you liked it. I, it's my favorite part. I have still haven't listened to Sleater Kinney. I, I haven't listened like to them much years. either. I'm like, ah, oh, Carrie Brownstein from Portlandia. I know who that is. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, hey, yeah, they got that indie rock sound. This is like your hypnotic indie rock, like Wallace sound. Yeah, it's very cacophonous, very different. Also, like very like also like laid back cacophony. So to me, I was like, this sounds a bit like Neutral Milk Hotel, and like this is right around Neutral Milk Hotel's era. It's not uh, Airplane Over the Sea. That's the year after the song. This cover comes out, but but it's close. Yeah, it's close, and their first album was out, so maybe these guys picked that up. Maybe they were just running in similar crowds, because it's got a similar vibe. Yeah, that sounds believable. <laughs> it's the right yeah. time frame. Um, this one basically takes... I mean, it removes a lot, mm-hmm. or, or, or changes a lot, right? Um, it, it uses some parts, mostly some of the melody right but they kind of they don't have like the lead part they don't have the bass line the bass line um like it's also like the last one drop the groove but i wouldn't call this one danceable um swayable swayable sure um which maybe is a form of dancing which um but not in the same way as book of love um but yeah it's a lot of like noise and like this really slow like plodding feel which i believe you you basically called laid back, which makes sense. Yeah. Like, yeah, plotting sort of like, yeah, especially with those drums. It's like. Yeah. And it's like lo-fi sound. So everything is like huge and noisy. Yeah. And you got this, this rhythm guitar. That's pretty much constant. just. Other like sounds like there's like these kind of digital sounding like bleeps and bloops, but there's also some like, I think the synth you just mentioned is what I was doing. Um, yeah, and there's that boom, 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 like synth that is yeah. their kind of rhythm. So lots of those synth sounds filling out the space, and yeah, making it feel very 
again, we talked about textures before, but this really focuses on those textures. Yeah. And of course, very detached vocals. Very. Yeah, wonder sometimes. Low energy. Again, you said laid back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, laid back isn't quite the right word, though, because that implies vocals. like relaxing. True. I wouldn't call these relaxing. Do you wonder sometimes? Yeah. Um, he, yeah. um, what I find interesting with the, 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 um, the, well, the verse. Mm-hmm. Is he says, I will sit right down. And then he, but he doesn't say the title of the song. And then he goes, I will sing. Hmm. Feel like sometimes you got to take the chorus out of the verse. Yeah. <laughs> got to save it for the big moment. That's right. Because he does later on get it out at, at three and a half minutes. So uh, waiting for the gift of sound and vision. Yeah. This one is. Around, he doesn't do it. Yeah. I don't know. That might be what I would do, or why mm-hmm. I would do it, but I don't know why he would do it. Can't tell you, Alex. I'm not quasi. Few of us are. Few of us are. He does a, there's a synth solo in here. Oh, yeah, this one has a synth solo. This is the one with the synth solo? Is there another yes. one with the synth solo? I there swear might be I wrote two with it the down, synth solo. I can't find my note. Yeah, I'm trying to find the time, time stamp it, because I'm a bastard I didn't write it down oh yeah around like three minutes say three minutes yeah of course you still get the it's tough to like distinguish a solo because you have the big like sound filling backing no yeah I see that yeah 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 that might be a guitar no I don't know (laughs) <laughs> when when you alter the sound this much, it's hard to tell. Let's see how plays it. Can we attribute it to any one thing? Yeah. Um, and you can run a guitar through a synthesizer. It's like, <laughs> what is reality? Huh? Yeah. It's uh, it's hypnotic, but in a different way from the yeah, original. Yeah, yeah, hypnotic. I like hypnotic. I said lethargic, but I think I like hypnotic lethargic. better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it definitely has that like slow feel. Um. And, and uh, yeah, like you're pushing through a very thick texture of mm-hmm. some kind. So, yeah, you got to get through all of this sound and vision to get yeah. to the gift of sound Yeah, or like you need to push, yeah, push through to get, get to the, uh, the inspiration. Yeah. It's so more like there's an effort to this. You have to, you have to seek inspiration as opposed to waiting for it to come to you. Right. Yeah, maybe it is the cacophonous state of mind as you sit there in supposed silence waiting for a sound and vision. This is your brain going... Yeah, there's too much sound and vision. You just have to find the right stuff. Yeah, you gotta filter it out. It's not enough. I don't know. Yeah, it's a pretty solid like indie rock cover, I think. It's yeah, not breaking take. new ground, but it like it's solidly built. It's mm-hmm. not like they played it safe or anything. I think it's pretty all right. Let's talk about Motor Industries and Kristen Berg in 2002. Yeah. Good thing she doesn't go by Christy. Christy Berg. Christy Berg. Christy Berg joke. Christoberg, ah, Spanish, Spanish train. train. <laughs> I got it. You know, the Spanish train guy. Um, 
Anyway. We all, everybody's always talking about Chris DeBerg. Everybody's talking about Chris DeBerg. How should you find anything on either of these entities? Um, I no, the I, they're, they, they're like a cars. cover group. They have a bunch of cover stuff. Chris, yeah. Kristen Berg doesn't seem to... This is her only credit on Spotify. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, when I looked up Motor Industries on Spotify, it said, like, listeners also listen to, or fans also like, and a bunch of bands that have their descriptions in, like, Cyrillic alphabet. So I... Okay. They are Russian or similar. I don't know if they're specifically Russian, but like... But they're similar to Russians. Someone who uses a Cyrillic alphabet. Okay. Um, Okay. As far as I can tell. But their description is empty. It's empty. So, I don't know what to make of that. Um, And yeah, they just have a bunch of covers of things like Exit Music for a Film and People Are Strange and Ripple. (laughs) Well, yeah, they've done it again on this one. They've covered a song, Alex. They sure have. Uh, this one is a David Bowie song. This one's a David Bowie song. Um, it's kind of like demo-y a bit, this one. Oh, it's yeah? Bit, yeah, it's just like sparse, and you can kind of really hear the like some of the instruments just hanging bare, like the bass... <laughs> You can just feel like uh, something else should be playing with it. Because like, it's just oh, okay. too much bass. Too much just bass. I really felt like kind of the opposite of the previous one is they like go minimal and just really mm-hmm. focus on the groove. And like they kind of like slowed it down to let that groove really sit. Right. And then the drum beat really feels heavy. Yeah, and then they also have this weird, like, bubble popping, kind of waka-jawaka, like... They do. Me- like, rhythm. Like, it sounds like record scratching, but also, like... <laughs> yeah, bubble pop sound. Yeah. So I wasn't keen on that sound, but uh, it is there. It's pretty subtle. <laughs> I didn't even notice it, honestly. Okay. I noticed it right off the bat. It's like, what the fuck? It sounds that? like the kind of song that would, or the kind of sound that would, for some people, be like the worst thing. Right. Like they would have a sensory issue. Yeah, exactly. That's fair. Um, but it's also, it's not that bad enough. for me, but okay. I'm just like, mm, I could do without it. Subtle enough that, like, I kind of didn't even think of it. <laughs> um, they have since playing that, like, the sixth part, the, yeah. the lead guitar, I called it. Synth. Yes. Compared to the original where it's like front and center, but like they keep it very light uh, and it's yeah. very like airy and like chime sound. Um, this is also, I feel like, like the vocals come in early in the song, but not early time wise because this is a, sh- a longer version because it's slow. Yeah, four minutes. But like the vocals come in around the same time. So it's a bit, a bit early. Um, and they've got vocals in already, not even halfway through. Yeah, and they're quite subdued. They almost sound like they're they're like behind a wall. <laughs> That's I assume Kristen Berg. Yeah, one would imagine. It doesn't sound like a car, so I imagine it's Kristen Berg. But yeah, they do feel I mean so it happens sometimes when you get these singers that like don't really have credits and like I don't know what else they do, but like it doesn't feel like they did too much with the vocals. No. Yeah. Um 
what else is what else is happening it's mostly, in this one, like this one said, has a solo stripped down it does have a solo yeah it is stripped down they do a solo which is weird i mean this this one feels more like like the previous ones did seem to try to make the song develop a bit more but this one's like we need a solo and that way it's more similar to like a traditional song structure but it also mm-hmm. feels weird because the rest of it doesn't change that much so i'm like I, I also didn't find the solo like that interesting. No. Or 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 good sounding. So it's not that's much right. Really it's it's pretty plain. Yeah. Um, I was more excited by like two minutes thirty seconds in when a guitar plays briefly. You get this. like. Yeah. Um. Briefly. Very very briefly. There is somehow in the song also a breakdown. Despite there not being much to break down, which the, yeah, yeah, there is a bit because they like because they do it's pretty stripped down, but then they strip it down more. Yeah, they like just take the drums out. And you, you, it, it's very strange. Yeah, I Starts feel at like two forty five. This one was a bit frustrating. I feel like they really. I think you said it needed something else. I don't know if that's the answer, but like it feels a bit sterile, and I feel like the bass is almost there. Like, if they could really groove up that bass somehow, mm. then I think it could have potentially carried the rest or, like, at least led to this being a little bit better. But I feel yeah. like, ultimately, it just feels sterile. Now, how do you think they groove it up, Alex? Do they maybe uh, pick up the tempo a bit? I don't think you would have to, you know? Okay. You know? I don't think it has to be the original song, right? Sure. But, like, I don't know that... I mean, I'm not a huge not a rhythm guy. I'm not a groove doctor. But um, the things that make things groovy can be so subtle. And it can be like just playing a little bit differently. Like you're playing the same notes, theoretically with the same timing, but you're playing around within that that measure or, or within that beat. Right. Um, and And sometimes that's all it takes. But they don't quite have it, I don't think. That's fair, Alex. You know who might have something, though, is our next act. The Sea and Cake in 2003. The Sea and Cake. Yes. This is a band, allegedly an indie rock band with jazz influences. Yeah, that didn't come through on this. Saw them described as post-jazz. Post-jazz. That's something here. I got to go to the bathroom, though, so... Okay. Let's uh, have a little... Why don't we post up on thinking about post-jazz? All right. I'll be back. Post-jazz, huh, Alex? Post-jazz, allegedly. Post-jazz, I, I, I didn't, allegedly. I didn't notice. What are, what are the defining features of post-jazz? Not the song jazz. made after the concept of jazz was invented? Yeah. It doesn't sound terribly jazzy to me. No, it doesn't. Um, these guys' name, it's the sea and cake, like the sea as in the water. Yeah. But apparently it's a reinterpretation of uh, something called the sea, as in the letter C, in cake. Yeah. They so that's a bit of fun. heard it wrong. Yeah, that's how Quiet Riot was made. This is like Quite Right or something like that? Yeah, you heard some British guy say, Quiet Riot. Quiet Riot. I want to make a band called Quiet Riot. He said, Quiet Riot. <laughs> All right. 
that's not that. This is this, the sea and cake. Um, start with some kind of like echoey, like metal sheet noises. Some laser scanning. <laughs> laser scanning. Yeah, like so it sounds electronic. It's like sound mm-hmm. effect stuff. Um, and I didn't then, like a reverse synth one. comes in. I have like a play by play of this one. Yeah, they got like the synth that slides around a bunch. More like high pitched stuff. Scrolling. So this one really yeah, has. Did that I have an in. overall take on this one? Because I also think I just did a play by play. Like, what? What did I actually think of this one? I don't remember. Um, it is. I mean, largely they're following. Okay. No, no, they're not following. Don't, don't, I wish well, I had do the big drum hits an overall because I got to get these gentle guitar chords instead on. of your your sixth slide. Yeah, it's um yeah, they don't do that slide. They just do kind of the the harmony straight. Um the mm-hmm. bass feels different. Uh there's lots of that ambient stuff and uh Yeah, the bass the drums feels feel like very a... different. It's more of like a drum focus than a bass focus. Yeah, it's quite a like loud kit in effect. Mhm. Still being very trebly, not a lot of bass on it. Yeah, so there's like that side of it, and then there's that kind of like gentle side, and then they get the like ah, sort of airy vocals. Yeah, um, and then like there's a really fuzzy guitar sound too. Yeah, which might actually just be a synthesizer. Oh no, there's a fuzzy guitar there too. The synthesizer is really more important. I don't know why I call it the guitar. Um, well, just love guitar order. so much. Yeah, so they follow the general structure. Like, more or less, but the, you know, it sounds like them. I, I don't yeah, really know different what they synths. sound like, but it sounds different. Um, they never do a full melody on the guitar, um, and kind of try to make it more of a gradual build up. The other thing they do, which to me is like, why wouldn't you do this? I'm surprised no one we haven't seen it before. Um, mm-hmm. The two registers are actually just two different people singing together. Right, yeah, it makes sense. Or or alternating, which is like why. <laughs> Yeah, to me, that's like the most obvious thing, which is maybe why other people didn't do it. But that could be. Sounds pretty good. Yeah. But yeah, it's just kind of like a a different take on it. I don't know. There's not it's, any like crazy specific things I can point out other than like, ah, yeah, cool. Yeah, there's like a bit of safeness in it. Like they're kind of hitting the same like general general things. Like so, like the guitar chords are there to be the sixth slide, even if they're not that. The I mean, the drums are different enough, in my opinion, but the, the synths that come in are just are pretty close. They play the same shit. It's just like newer synths. It's like, wow, we have these new synths that are different. <laughs> so there is a lot of safety in it, I think. But there is also enough that's different that I don't dislike it. Yeah, I mean, it's got a pretty decent sound to it. You know, it's 2003 indie rock, so mm-hmm. I'm sure in my mind that's positive thing that's cutting edge um (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm only about 20 years behind which is actually better than it used to be hey yeah catching up yeah um just getting into the hit 2003 album uh is this probably something by by the the white stripes oh Oh, something by the white stripes would be good too that would be a a good bet is this it was 2001 so sure yeah (laughs) yeah Um, yeah, it's like, there's a big extended instrumental section at the end. They have that, like, sizzle cymbal, but it sounds like, it's like a, something else. But what they get at the end, around 344, is this new synth that kind of comes in and 
fades in as everything else fades out and then takes us out. Very ambient. I kind of didn't realize it wasn't there before. Well, that's what you got me here for, Alex. Yeah, this one kind of... I guess I must have slipped through the cracks, man. It's like it's fine. <laughs> yeah, something about it. I'm, I'm not latching on, you know? It's, yeah, it's, there's nothing for me to grasp onto. Um, something also kind of difficult to grasp onto. Franz Ferdinand in 2007. Don't you yeah, the band Franz Ferdinand. We did Take Me Out not too yeah. long ago. Last or year, Scottish I guess. Rock it was last band. year, right? That was last year in terms of this is coming out in 2023. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'm trying to make the timeline as confusing as possible. Yeah, you've done a great job, Alex. <laughs> Anytime. Uh, you always do. Uh, so this is the Scottish rock band, France Ferdinand. You guys know Take Me Out. Based on the hit film Enemy on the Gates. Uh, these guys, they were asked by BBC to play a song from 1977. And Alex Kapranos, who's the front man for France Ferdinand, was like, this is my favorite song. Oh my gosh. This is why he was talking about it? Yeah, that's right. Huh? What? <laughs> that's where the quote came from? That's where the quote came from. It's pretty <sighs> crazy, but uh, it kind of lined up. I just, you know... These these beautiful little surprises happen when you research. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah. So what's interesting about this version, I think, as opposed to the previous versions, is that these guys actually do a more organic tilt on it. And that, like, the drums aren't processed on this, I don't think. Not, certainly not in that, like, more processed sounding way. Yeah, they're, they're maybe processed in the way that professional recordings are processed. Yeah, yeah. But, but it sounds the sound like drums. on those drums is ve- it sounds very organic. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess think that itself is quite a big move sense. when we talk about how important the original's drums are to that. It certainly sounds like Franz Ferdinand doing this song, mm-hmm. as opposed to Franz Ferdinand got a bunch of synthesizers that they wouldn't normally use. Yeah. Um, so and for I'm, that mm-hmm. reason, I think it it kind of sounds like the sort of thing they would play live right yeah um which yeah it feels like a cool live thing yeah it does feel very big and maybe it's the inclusion of those those female vocals doing the doo-doo-doos but yeah it does seem like something they do live yeah because their doo-doo-doos um is like a whole gaggle what do you what's a group of that that's that's the correct term uh the whole gaggle of women up here um a whole group like a group of people yeah a small collective small collective of like singers uh yeah just a a little gathering as it were yeah uh murder anyway um (laughs) yeah and then of course they bring the lyrics in well maybe not of course but they like go lyrics from the start yeah and then just repeat it um and then less instrument variety i guess in the sense that they play this that sax part on a guitar yeah so there's no saxophone um yes yeah, so you get it rock and rollified a bit on this version and that it's like mm-hmm. it leans like closer to the band. your standard band format of course they do still have big gnarly synths on this yes there's a lot of like layering of sounds so it does end up sounding very full yes um, 
And so, like, even his vocals are layered, too, so you get a bit of that Bowie-styled vocals coming through. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's a good singer. I think Capranos yeah. is good, good vocals, too. Yeah, because he does, like, sings lower, he sings higher. Yeah. The ending's kind of funny. Yeah, kind of dramatic. Yeah, it just over my head, and then, like, it fades out really quickly. My So, head. it's weird. I think a little unusual. Um, yeah. Not like that unusual. It's a little more. I guess they're trying to make it definitive and not just sound like it's going to loop forever. Loop forever. Um, but yeah. yeah, it does kind it of takes a bit pull of a the turn. rug out from you, though, doesn't yeah. it? Because you're like, you're grooving along, and then it's like, wait, is this supposed to be sad? You're like, oh, I don't fucking know. <laughs> Maybe. Am I Maybe. supposed to feel blue? Blue? Blue, blue? Electric blue? There's something about that ending is reminiscent of another song i can't put my finger on it mm. at the moment yeah. maybe even another bowie song but i can't i can't nail it down i don't but know it in either the year of our lord 2000 i don't know maybe the the loneliest guy no no still not that i don't know but yeah there it, it is an odd move at the end there right yeah it feels odd it feels odd but they do it hey um beyond that yeah it's it's pretty crisp they they successfully mimic parts like you said like the guitar does the sax and it's pretty mm-hmm. well solid like yeah but compared to the last few who have switched up quite a bit or did things in a different way or or left parts out mm-hmm. this is not that this is a recreation yeah recreation and I do think the drums being like this almost arena like live drum sound does add an interesting take to it so it's, I think it's still pretty neat. Mm-hmm. Perhaps even more neat is uh, Molly Ledford in 2016. Don't you wonder sometimes about sound and vision? Blue, blue, electric blue, that's the. Yes. Molly Ledford seems to be an actual children's library assistant. Am I looking up the right person? I think you are correct. Songwriter mom, children's library assistant. If you dig slightly deeper, they write for little puppet shows, too. Oh, yeah. So, like, they do stuff for kids, mostly. Including this album called Let All the Children Boogie, which is, of course... (laughs) So we talked before about children's music, and we talked about it with uh, previous guest Ruby Swan mentioned that it's predominantly just like getting MIDI files and then swapping the like the actual instrument sound so it's just like like now everything is a xylophone kind of soulless process um so this one very interesting seems to be like entirely organic and like handmade and like Molly Ledford actually was like I'm going to make this song but I guess for children in that it has like xylophones and shit. Yeah, it's like xylophones and like flutes, so everything is like soft. Mm-hmm. And she sings softly. It's it basically like it's an acoustic version essentially. Yeah. But there's like a few other like changes. You know, it's not just an acoustic guitar strumming. In fact, I don't think there's an acoustic guitar in this at all. Like it's all on the No, it's all on, on the those, xylophone the and xylophone. then like there's a flute that does the like string part. Yeah, and things like that. Um, and then there's whistling for the the main melody. Yes, I'm always fascinated by whistling in uh, songs because it's hard to do consistently. Yeah, you're telling me, man. I'm still trying to get a consistent whistle out. Yeah. Um. 
Oh, here's a note. Molly Ledford mm. wants a cookie as big as big as her head. Yeah, good for her. Me too. That's, that's important and relevant to this song. Um, that is. Yeah, so it basically the bones of the song are on that xylophone and then there's other stuff yeah. around it. Um, it really made me think of like Little Big Planet, like Medium Molecule yeah. kind of thing because it does feel very... Is twee the right word? Twee, I think, could be used correctly here. Is twee again? But in, like, small. Yeah. Um, not in a bad way. No, but in that sort of, like, like positive view of childhood. That, yeah. like, ah, uh, things are simple and clean and quite nice. Yeah, strange. I mean, I guess for very young children, maybe uh, ripping guitars are not the best thing. Um... But keeping it very like calm sounding and laid back, it's like yeah, I could probably you'd probably play this for for a young child. Oh yeah, and they would feel like oh, I don't understand all the words being said, but I do know what the color blue is. Exactly right. That's enough of a hook for a child. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and the flute sounds nice, and xylophones are fun because you just have to hit them. Yeah, with a stick, and that's like the most fun thing. Oh, yeah. Especially when you get two of those sticks in one hand. Oh, Buddy, man. now. Now you're playing you xylophone. Um, but, yeah, so you'll, I guess, accurately summed up as a twee version of Sound and yeah. Vision. <laughs> Which, as mentioned, there is some, some twee elements in the There's original. Some so tweeness. To jack that up and make something tailor-made for kids that doesn't sound like you just fucking switch some audio files around, pretty cool, I think. Yeah. So, way to go. On this next cover artist, bit of an indie guy, uh, David Bowie in 2022. <laughs> yeah, this one was a bit of a cheat, because we kind of already talked about Moon Age Daydream. Or did we? I don't know. Who what knows? the release no, order is. The, well... The Moon Age Daydream movie. biopic's going to be last, Alex. Okay, so, well... Documentary movie. Here's a little teaser for that, then. This we've comes never from, seen it, though. We've ne- we've this movie we've never movie. seen before. They're not going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it a bit. Um, so I guess... I mean, this... So this is from the, the Moon Age Daydream colon, or a Brett Morgan film soundtrack. Um, yes. And it's basically just like an alternate take. For the most part, as far as I can yeah, tell. Yeah, with either some, some of words. those, yeah, like some of those cut lyrics now in, or just straight up different versions of the lyrics. Yeah. They definitely have, so, like, the, ac- you know, they have access to more, I don't know, stems or master tapes or whatever you call them. They've got more recording stuff that didn't end up in the final version. Um, and for that reason, it is cool. Yes, it's very cool. So it opens up with a really stripped down, you just get that fucking bass line. And you get to hear exactly how much it grooves. You get to hear like even the dirty, like just the sound of finger on string. Like Yeah, I really like that part. You feel a little more of the bass, um, the way they've mixed it here, because it really feels like bassier, and you really get that closeness. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can hear more piano here, or there's a new piano part that was maybe not yeah. included. Which is and very then, cool. Yeah, it's very cool. And we get the break in of these new David Bowie lines. 
Blue, blue, electric blue. That's the color for the living room. Yeah. Um, he says pale blinds. Why does he say it? Why did I just write pale blinds? I don't know, man. Nothing to read, nothing to say, which he already says, but it's more obvious than this. He says it a little differently. Um, I will dream of other lands waiting for the gift of sound and vision. He says yeah. at one point. Um, I'll dream of other lands. Do you say I will see a million miles? I didn't write that down, but it he happens. He does say that. Um, um, yeah, that piano much more prominent and sort of in that like soul Amer- young Americans vibe again. Yeah, I guess so. It really it's easy to forget, but these are oh, very he close repeats together. pale blinds instead of saying blue blue. Oh yeah, pale blind. Yeah. Okay. I fucking I told myself I was like, I'll write that down. I don't remember what that means. I don't know what that means. <laughs> Of course not. Um, the other thing that happens, which I mean, I have to assume is a construct for the movie. Um, at one fifty-five, the harmonica from A New Career in a New Town comes in. That's right. For a bit, and then it comes in more. I think later, more at the end. Um, and then after that, it's kind of just like the bass and the piano like jamming out for a while, and it's just like really cool because like like all these sounds. Yeah, it's funny because like it achieves the same effect as the original mix or as the 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 single mix while being like fully different like fully emphasizing this piano yeah it's the like piano s- part's like cool i see why you wouldn't want to put it in mm-hmm. uh just for what he was trying to make in low versus what he had made previously but like it sounds really cool and i don't think yeah. it's just like they took the piano from something else or anything like that so i can't identify it from anything else no um not that i know young americans that well no it's this plays too well yeah yeah and it's crazy how that harmonica plays in really well too yeah so i mean without going into too much detail because obviously we we don't know anything about this movie at all no never seen it never heard of it until right now yeah just this moment but uh yeah very cool then it fades into a new career in a new town that's right in the end um, which is another song that uh, yeah. is on sound or is on low and uh, is really a cool song. And it is the B side to Sound and Vision, at least on its initial oh, release. Right, right, right. But yeah, what a tight. Yeah. Piece so of this one, music. I mean, it's really just a an alternate take on the original version for someone for people like us who are really into this kind of thing. It's really interesting. <laughs> Yeah, it's very cool to see, and it's it's still a bop. It's not just like a demo where you're like, okay, yeah, I yeah, <laughs> I can see some of those, how it became a good song eventually. Like, um, I mean, Moon Age Daydream, the original, yeah, Arnold the Arnold Corns, Corns version. Um, that one was uh, a little rougher. Yeah, for sure. Um, but it's time for us to get a little rough with our our final verdicts here. So that's all the covers for today. We got three categories today. The worst version, the best version, and the version that you would have playing in your solitary confinement for on loop, on repeat. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Alex, what's the worst version? What's the worst this? version. It's probably Motor Industries and Kristen Berg. Because you're Motor Industries. Industries. Yeah, why is yeah. that, Alex? Um, well, I mentioned before it feels kind of sterile. It feels like there's something missing. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, it might be a groove, but it might be another instrument or something like that. Um, 
I, I yeah. think they they could have had some success with the slowing it down and really sinking into that groove, but they didn't hit the groove uh, well enough for that to work. So right. it, it, it fails for that. And also, like, the lyrics aren't uh, very good either. Ooh, got him. Suck it, Kristen Berg. <laughs> no, I agree. I think it is the one that comes off. I mean, lyrics, the vocals. Could give it, could give it to the C and Kate because I've still forgotten them. Even like. They have a claim for it. I did kind of forget about it. I they're very forgettable. Where as at least like Motor Industries gave you hope to be disappointed by. <laughs> um, yeah, I might check it to the C and Kate because like even thinking now to try to to defend it, I'm like, um, like but what did it sound it was, like? What did it fucking sound like? Was it jazz influenced? Not from my memory. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna give it to the C and Cake, Alex. What's the best version of this? Best version of this. Oh my gosh. This is a tough one. I'm not giving it to Moon Age Daydream. That doesn't count. No, that's cheating. That's cheating. Um, in terms of who was actually like the best version that I would want to listen to, I'm like, I'm, it's probably Quasi. Quasi, yeah. It's probably Quasi, because I'm like, I'm trying to think of the other one. I thought Book of Love did a decent enough job. Yeah, I think right out the gate there, 93, like, pretty solid. Yeah. But I, I don't know. It, I, I think in terms of consistency of vibe, if I'm to use the word vibe, like, Quasi hits their thing right off the bat, expands it, while not being, like, too crazy, and then, you know, it's... I think it's perhaps the most solidly built. You know, it's the Honda Civic of covers. They flashy, but it, like yeah. it gets you where you're going. And like it, all I, the I believed work. it. I believed it all. You know, it was a slower take that actually worked. So that that's impressive enough. Um, I was like, I I was thinking of of Molly Ledford, but I ultimately couldn't couldn't give it to it because I'm like, at the end of the day, I'm, it's really just not for me, which is fine. Yeah, true. But I'm also you are not, not a child it, anymore. I'm not going to give it best, but it was six, definitely very successful. But yeah, I think it's got to be quasi. Quasi, that's fair. Yeah, I also thought of Molly Ledford, and I do wonder because sometimes we just get something that is new to our ears in that sense. This being children's music, children's cover music that's actually performed as if it was original, like given that layer of care, right? And sometimes we go like, "Oh my god, that's amazing!" And then we find more shit. Like we might even dig into <laughs> this album, and it's just like, "Oh, it's all the same." Yeah, still. it's all that. Yeah. So to avoid that disappointment while still acknowledging that I think the Molly Ledford one was pretty tight, yeah, I might also have to go quasi. Yeah. Motor Industries is bad. Um, Book of Love just a, like a little, a little off in tone. A little short of the, the line. end, particularly. Yeah, it's just like. Yeah. But I do like a bit of the chopping up on that, and I did describe one yeah, of the synths yeah, as yeah, almost being yeah, Donkey Kong yeah, Country, yeah, which yeah. is. High praise. It is high praise, and like kind of the right time period too. <laughs> For sure, yeah. That's what is that DKC three at that time? Probably just coming out. Ninety three. I think DKC three was a little later because I was oh, like a little later. I'm yeah. I've got my timelines mixed up because the 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 N sixty four needs to come out before DKC three can come out. Yeah. Uh, the original was ninety four. 
94. Okay. Okay. Yes. They maybe they inspired David Wise. Probably not. I'm giving it to Quasi. I'm just gonna <laughs> just, <laughs> gonna, just gonna give it to Quasi. Fucking give it to Quasi. Alex. Yeah. In solitary confinement. They've allowed you one, one. Uh, what would you call it? Curse. Curse. <laughs> one, one monkey's paw wish, and that's to have one version of sound and vision playing oh, constantly on on, on I mean repeat. it can't be the original I think even though that would be 100% my choice if it could be yeah I would truly find best. Um but which of these would be the best to loop I feel like it's gotta be Molly Ledford only because then I'd be able to sleep at night mm. although choice. maybe I could sleep to the sea and cake one zing it wasn't that zing. bad zing got him I just, <laughs> I just forgot it like it could have been that bad I don't yeah. know uh, but it's gotta be Molly Ledford. Yeah, I think Molly Ledford plays well on padded walls, probably. Yeah, that said, the, I yeah. feel like it could be very that. I feel like that xylophone could get grating could after a pretty, while. <laughs> pretty quick. But I, I agree. Uh, you know, initially, I feel like I'd give it a chance. Yeah, my hope is that I get out of solitary sooner rather than later. Yeah, I'm not there forever, am I? <laughs> That's up to you, brother. That's up to you. <laughs> oh man. Uh, there you have it, though. That is our final verdict. Uh, you got a different opinion, similar opinion. Want to talk to us about a version we didn't talk about? Hit us up on Twitter. Still there. Hashtag CoverMePod, at Jake the Cressy, at some Alex Wise Guys. Send us your comments, questions, concerns, suggestions for future episodes. We'll take them into consideration. Uh, <laughs> be sure to rate and review us. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, your favorite podcasting app. Let's get us above four stars on, on Spotify in 2023. Let's do it, folks. Come on. We're not that far off. Yeah. And then send us your genuine criticisms. That can be a goal. We'll hit four and that in, in February, and then we won't have to do anything else for the rest of the year. For the rest of the year, we can shut the podcast down. Four to five, B. That's 80%. Come on. Um, but yeah, but also be sure to send us mean and snarky reviews. You can honestly give us bad reviews everywhere else. Just Spotify only has a star system. But if you want to just review us and and tear into us that's still interaction and the the podcasting services they love it baby they love that shit uh tell your friends and family about us tell them to review us too uh you're our marketing budget you're the marketing team you're the head of marketing and you can put that on your resume but i will not give you my contact information (laughs) beyond twitter and and cover me pod at gmail.com um that does it for today's episode of cover me and as we always say on cover me Don't you wonder sometimes about Cover Me?